What's up, guys? Um, do you guys normally read the scripture before people start? Okay, let me read the scripture for us, and then uh, we'll jump into it, okay? Um, today's uh, scripture is from Psalm 42, uh, verses 1 through part of 6, um, and it, you can find it in the back of this bulletin here. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Um, this is the word of the Lord. Um, and so, good morning, Indelible Grace Church. Uh, my name is Harry, if you don't know me. Um, your IGC community cared for me and my family for several years. Uh, when I first started working in ministry, um, and I was interning here at 2011, I was going through seminary, and um, I started my pastoral work here, and uh, a bunch of my kids were born here, three of them, and uh, all four of them were baptized here. Um, I've been to many of your weddings. I've officiated several of your weddings. And so um, even though our family hasn't been here for uh, a while, a few years, you guys have a very special place in my heart. And the elders and their families are uh, just an awesome group of people that I've uh, had the privilege to work with during my time here. Wayne and Christine are my actual family, and so you guys are special to me. Um, and it's so cool that this uh, Sunday is uh, Tom and Wendy's uh, first Sunday here with you guys, and I pray that you guys will continue to um, just be blessed by them and their presence, and I pray that as a community, you guys will uh, flourish and grow spiritually as you um, hear the gospel preached, as you disciple one another, as you care for each other, um, and yeah, just take care of each other in these upcoming seasons, you know? Um, if I haven't met you yet, I hope to meet you guys uh, soon. Uh, so Lauren and I, we, um, uh, our family, we helped co-plant Risen Church in Hayward in 2019, and a year before that, we were planning. And so we left here in 2018. Um, a few of our IGC friends actually came with us to uh, Risen, and um, by the grace of God, we helped build that community from the ground up. And um, but recently, about three months ago, I stepped down from my position there. Um, just to rest and to see where God leads us. In the meantime, I've been um, teaching ninth grade Bible at uh, California Cross Point Academy. Um, it's this fundamental of the Christian faith class. It's basically it's really basic systematic theology, and uh, I've been enjoying it so far. Um, but really, thank you guys for having me this morning. Um, it's a privilege and honor to be able to preach from the Word of God uh, for us. It's an honor to worship with you guys. Today, I'm going to preach from Psalm 42, where the psalmist, he writes, Why are you cast down, O my soul? You know, I, um, I tell Lauren, anytime I talk to Lauren about like feelings that are kind of like uh, exaggerated like this, then uh, she tells me that I'm being too sensitive, I'm being too extreme. But now, I'll just point her to the Psalms of Lament. And uh, compared to them, I'm pretty emotionally level-headed. But I love this, right? I love the exaggerations of lament that the psalmist feels in his soul. Right? A storm is rolling inside. He's dying. He cries in agony and pain. Right? And it's so real to him. And this resonates so well with me because um, if you haven't picked up yet, I'm an emotional type of guy. 
I get uh, sad and down often, and my seasons of depression swing long and uh, I'm pretty deep sometimes. And even when people point me to the objective reality and fact, right? Oh, that your family and your friends, they love you, that God loves you. It's a struggle. Right? The internal emotions inside tell me something different. This is a never-ending struggle uh, that some of us face. I don't know how accurate this is, but I heard somewhere that um, statistically, half the population has a natural disposition towards um, being more happy, the other half more uh, melancholic and gloomy. Um, I'm more of the latter. Um, Aside from our internal dispositions of either being happier or more sad, nobody is immune to being spiritually depressed. If you're not emotionally phased by a lot of things, even then, you're not immune to being sad and downcast at times, right? And so we have to ask ourselves, what happens when, you're, when you are feeling downcast and when your soul is spiritually wrecked? Right, so today we go to Psalm 42. We come here to be comforted through the words of God once again as the psalmist expresses his honest pain that he feels within himself. He feels his torment. He expresses his longing for God. He expresses this hope that he has in this very difficult season of his life. And so these are our three points. Our pain, our longing, and our hope. Um, I'm going to start off with verses 3 to 5, and then I'm going to come back to verses 1 to 2 for our second point. But let me read this again, verses 3 to 5. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how, would, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Uh, to give the psalm a bit of context, um, you know, the psalm doesn't explicitly tell us who the author is. Um, some theologians, including John Calvin, think that uh, this is David, um, he believe, they believe this because um, the general style and the composition that it's written in is similar to David's other writings. Others have argued that the author was this unknown musician that somehow was pulled away out of the sanctuary. He was no longer to, able to worship there. Right? If it is David, it's, all, it's argued that he wrote this psalm when he was being exiled right, by Saul. And if that's the case, David is outcast from his community, from his home, from the temple, he no longer has access, right? He no longer has access to God, the worshiping God. He writes from a place of deep despair and sadness. He's lost intimacy. He's lost nearness to God. Remember back in the Old Testament, they worshiped God in temples and tabernacles. Right? Jesus wasn't around yet to redefine our now understanding of what the temple is. It's us people, right? So David, or whoever the psalmist is, he longs to be with God. He's distraught because he no longer has access to the sanctuary to worship God. In verse 3, he says, His enemies, right, those that despise him and his faith, his mockers sarcastically say, Where's your God? And he cries about it, right? He says, My tears have been my food day and night. This is verse 3. He's crying nonstop. His shirt is wet. His sleeves are wet. His face is all drenched. All his tears are flowing in, out, in into his mouth. And his mockers make fun of him for this. And then he remembers. 
He remembers what it felt like to worship in the sanctuary. In verse 4, he remembers his worship in the house of God, shouting and singing praise. He remembers worshiping with others, right? Basically, he's gathered, he, he remembers that he was gathered with his church family, his church community. They're going through this worship service like this, singing songs of praise with Marsh, fellowshipping, worshiping, right? And he's lost all of that. So he cries. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? A few verses back later, in verse 9, he says, I say, to, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? See, the psalmist feels lost and lonely. He's down. He's spiritually depressed. He's distraught. He feels like God has forgotten him. Um, I wasn't going to use this example because I'm not looking for a pity party, but I have a confession. Uh, Lauren asked me a couple weeks ago if I would be okay coming here to preach. And uh, because we just left our uh, church community of uh, three, month, uh, three months ago, we left. And for three months, we've been church homeless. Uh, I've been really down and out. I've been spiritually uh, depressed with a lot of uncertainty about working in ministry again. And things are still pretty raw, right? And I feel really bad for um, Lauren and the kids because they followed me through uh, some tough years of ministry. Um, And the week that she asked me if I would be okay, um, it was a bad week, right? And I said, I'm not okay. And uh, But Wade asked me a few months ago, and I agreed to it, and there's no way I'm going to um, flake out on this commitment, and I love you guys. And so I'm here. Um, I'm better this week, but I'm still processing. Uh, ministry is very challenging, um, not so much because of the work itself, right? I love the work, but it's difficult because church is the people, right? It's both beautiful that we're all different people. It's amazing but it's also difficult because we're all broken and flawed. So things don't always go smoothly. Right? We all know this. I bring this up to you not because I'm the only one going through a tough time, but because I know you guys are too. With all your recent transitions of leadership and the makeup of your community, and I don't know about you guys, but I've never cried this much in my entire life before. This year was tough. Um, And you know, if you've been involved in the church long enough, you will inevitably come across some really difficult things. Um, A friend that I care a lot about, uh, she called me this uh, a couple nights ago, and um, she was sharing with me her hurts about uh, her past baggage and struggles with church. And even in this season, she's going through such a tough time. And man, she was sad. She was in so much pain, and it was obvious how dark of a place she was in. And um, I could do nothing for her but to cry, right? So we come to this psalm, and we cry. God, why have you forgotten me? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Indelible, we have to ask, what happens when you're so down and depressed and God feels so distant? What do we do? Where do we go? How do we process? Uh, What I love about the Psalms is that the authors are honest with their feelings and the things that they go through. 
You see, in this psalm, we don't know the circumstances of why the psalmist feels spiritually dry. There's no indication that he was in sin. There's no confession here. We just see that he's in a really bad place. What does this mean for us? It means that we can look at our current circumstances. We can assess our spiritual and emotional situation right now in this season of life, no matter what you're going through, and you can respond honestly. The psalmist in our passage cries. He grieves. He complains. He lays out his heart to God. Right? Psalm 42 and these other psalms of lament, it teaches us that we can grieve. Church, we can grieve. We can be sad. We can cry. We can be sorrowful. We don't need to put on a face if we're not good. You know, every time we uh, ask each other, oh, how are you doing? We always answer with, oh, I'm good. Because, you know, if the other person says, oh, I'm not good, we're not ready to sit in that other person's pain. You know, I do this too. Um, usually, I always say, oh, you know, I'm good. Um, but now I'm learning to be a little bit more honest. And I'll downgrade my answer to, I'm okay, you know. Um, only with Lauren do I say that I'm not okay today, right? That I messed up. Um, uh, one night a couple months ago, I was... I just really, it was a bad, it was a bad night. I was really depressed <laughs> and I was crying it out for a couple hours um, and I was going to bed. I was uh, falling asleep. I was so emotionally and spiritually drained that my only prayer was, Father, I'm so messed up. I need help, right? It was the explicit version of that. And uh, that's all I had the strength to pray, right? Church, when we are down and when we are out, we can be honest. We can grieve. So very practically, what does this look like? What can we do to grieve? The first and obvious thing you can do is you can pray. You lay out your heart to God like the psalmist. Right? Psalms are songs. So he's singing these songs of lament. One of the songs that I listen to, my go-to, is uh, Sandra McCracken's uh, In Feast or Fallow. One of the lines reads this. When my soul is downcast and my voice has no song, for mercy, for comfort, I wait on the Lord. And so we pray, we sing. Uh, songs can be forms of prayer as well, right? Um, after um, this, Marsh is going to sing It Is Well With My Soul, right? One of uh, Lauren's favorite songs, one of my favorite songs. Um, it's so comforting to pray and sing these songs. So that's the first point. Uh, secondly, what we can do practically is we can lean into a community that you can trust and you can bear your soul to them. Let them help you shoulder some of your burden, Burden, right? Let them listen to you cry. Let them listen to you grieve. Let them listen to you be vulnerable and be sad. Let them cry with you. Let them grieve with you, whether it's a pastor that you trust, whether it's your community group, whether it's your, your discipleship group, you can do this even with trusted friends and mentors outside of the church community. But church, you have to grieve and process in community to move forward. The wisdom of, your, of the collective community is going to help you find practical ways to heal, to process, to cope. You know, I know I'm just here visiting, but 
you guys can reach out to me, and I'd be happy to pray with you. You can talk to Wade if you if you uh, need my information. But um, I read an article recently from uh, the Gospel Coalition, and I forgot who wrote this, but this line stuck out to me. Um, it's, it goes something like this. He says, we are hurt in relationship, and we find healing in relationship. You know, we're hurt by the community of people that we're a part of because we're all broken. We're all flawed. But we also find our healing through each other. Right? We can't do it by ourselves. And so we have to find people that we trust that's going to care for you. You can also find a qualified third-party therapist to help you process and work through your thoughts and emotions. Uh, they'll help you find healthy ways to grieve and cope. In this season, that was um, so key for me. Right? I've been seeing therapist Sam every single week since January, and uh, she's been very helpful for me, right? invaluable in this season. Right? The fees are expensive, but it's nothing compared to your emotional and spiritual well-being and your health. If IGC, I don't know if you guys have a mercy ministry where um, they subsidize and help pay for some of the counseling and therapy sessions, but if they have that, dude, make use of that. It's it's gold. Um, find a good therapist and stick with it um, and uh, just work through the things that you're going through. There are more ways that we can grieve and process, but um, we'll keep moving on. So this first point, we can be honest with our pain and sadness, and we can grieve. And we find healthy ways to grieve. Like we pray, we sing songs, we come into community. In our second point, we see from Psalm 42 that while the psalmist grieves, he also longs for God. Let me read verses 1 and 2 again for us. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, and when shall I come and appear before God? Remember the context of this passage is that whether it was David or an unknown psalmist writing this, he lost his community. He lost his place of worship. He's distraught. He's sorrowful. God feels far away, but he still wants God. He longs for God. Uh, At the beginning of 2020, We all heard the news of this contagious virus. COVID-19 broke out in China. It's made made its way around the entire world. It wreaked havoc globally in all areas of life. In business, the economy was wrecked, uh, schools, recreational life, family life, everything. But I think uh, the most damaging was that it wrecked so much of our spiritual lives, right? At least initially, because the world, it was shut down. We were all forced to quarantine in our homes, um, we couldn't even meet together. Um, and while eventually we figured out virtual stuff, uh, virtual streams, uh, we met on Zoom, it's not the same, right? For over a year, most of our communities we were just locked away, in our siloed in our own homes. Uh, it's probably an introvert's uh, paradise, but community-wise, it's difficult, right? Similar to the psalmist, I found it hard that I'm an introvert, but I, even I found it hard that we weren't able to gather physically. You know, I know church isn't the building, it's the people that gather, but we couldn't even gather, right? which is nuts. And if you guys remember, there was this one week where uh, there were fires in Sonoma, and uh, I think it was Yosemite, and the sky was darkened for a couple of days because it was so smoky, right? The AQI was like 250, normal is under 100. And uh, I remember we had um, a, a men's barbecue that Friday that we were supposed to meet for. 
and uh, we were going to meet outside, but we couldn't. So we couldn't go inside to meet because of COVID. We couldn't meet outside because of the ashes. It was nuts, man. It was it was such a mess, you know. And throughout this time, we couldn't take communion together. That's huge. We couldn't gather as a church family. We couldn't sing songs alongside each other. We were at home singing songs to the TV screen. It's insane. It was a very hard time to readjust worshiping remotely. In a small way, like the psalmist, I felt like worship was a bit lost for us. We were all separated. And man, I longed to gather with people to worship. And we didn't have that. As a community, it was a hard time. All our worship routines, they were upended. Some people drifted away from the community. Our communal worship was lost. And because of this, it affected my own personal spiritual life and nearness to God. But at the same time, man, I longed for God. I longed for that comfort. You see, the psalmist is in obvious spiritual funk. And he writes, as a deer pants for the water. It means that the deer is lacking in something. Right? It is thirsty for something. It needs water. It needs sustenance. And the psalmist says that that's something that he's lacking in his soul. It's God. His soul thirsts for God like a deer pants for the water. There's a void in his soul that needs to be filled. He's in a bad situation. He's in a spiritual desert. He feels super emo and lonely. He feels far from God. And he longs so much for God to comfort his soul. Uh, Take the example of a young kid that trips and cuts her knees. She screams and she cries in pain and she throws her hands up for who? For her parents, right? For her mom or her dad. The pain that she feels so deeply naturally, naturally causes her to reach out and cry and immediately seek for help and relief from her parents, from the ones that she has closest bonds with. Church, this should be us in every painful situation, every spiritual depression, every hurt and every sorrow. And so we ask ourselves, does our pain and seasons of depression make us seek God for comfort? Josh Smith, uh, from his small commentary on the Psalms, he says this, every disruption in our lives is an invitation to greater intimacy with God. Every time a soul pants for God, it's an invitation to drink and be satisfied. So when our souls are not well, man, we sing. We go to God's word. Uh, Whatever it is you're going through, uh, Psalm 42 teaches us to long for God like a deer that is thirsty for water. Why is this important? What does longing for God do for us? Here's a stupid example. So I like Taco Bell. Um, Sometimes I crave the Mexican pizza. It's back now, and I long for it. I can't wait to eat it. Wade texted me two days ago that he was eating this Mexican pizza. We grew up on it. My parents would bring us to Taco Bell all the time. So I planned my day around driving to the nearest Taco Bell to eat it, right? I drop off the kids. I run my errands in the morning. And throughout this whole time, from when I drop off the kids up until I pu- uh, pull up through that drive-thru window, I'm just thinking about the Mexican pizza and having this Taco Bell. 
and um, it's this longing that I have. And, um, and so when I eventually get there, I order, I get my Mexican pizza, I pull into an empty parking lot under some nice shade, I crack open the window, and, and then I get to actually sit down and eat this Mexican pizza that I've been longing for this whole morning. This is a dumb example, but my point is, is that the longing for something creates a hope, right? It's a hope that you're going to get something. And it is a hope that you're longing for that is actually going to satisfy you. It's going to be actualized, right? This Mexican pizza was, was in my hands. I was able to eat it and taste it. It was actualized, right? You know, I can long for a billion dollars, but that's not reality, But our hope here is in Jesus and in the gospel that all things will be made new again. And that is a promise. That is going to be actualized. This is why we long. This is why we hope. This is why we come to church every Sunday to be reminded of the gospel. We sing songs of the gospel of Christ to return. So every time there's, there's these lines that says, when we come and see the face of God again, Man, I cry every time. It gets me because that is what we long for. This brings us to our last point, and we'll close out here. Our hope. Let me read verse 5 and part of verse 6 one more time. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The psalmist, he longs for God in his pain and grief like a deer that thirsts for water because he knows that his longing for God will lead to hope. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, he says, Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see, church, our pain, as terrible as it is, it's not in vain. It's a megaphone, as C.S. Lewis calls it, that points us forward to the greatest hope. The psalmist says that God is his hope. He calls God my salvation. You see, salvation is more than just the physical salvation out of a temporary, the temporary pits of despair that we're feeling in this moment. But it's an eternal and spiritual salvation for our souls. The gospel, it shows us where we are in life now. We are sinners living amongst other sinners in a broken world filled with sin. But it also tells us where God is leading leading us towards in eternity. That we'll be redeemed sons and daughters of God in glory. And so this is why Paul in Romans 8.18, he says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Right? This is our hope. Is this just a feel-good fairy tale Bible story? How can we know that our hope is real, that it's true? And for this, we look to history. We look to the real life and death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and what he did for us on the cross 2,000 years ago. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus went to the cross, he was talking to his disciples, 
And he said, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. You see, on the cross, Jesus experienced the greatest sorrow and depression and turmoil and and pain and sorrow for us so that we could experience true and eternal comfort, peace, and a joy that surpasses all understanding. On the cross, Jesus was cast far away from God so that we could experience the nearness of God. Jesus was truly forgotten and forsaken on the cross so that we could truly be accepted, loved, and cherished by our Heavenly Father. When we understand what Christ has actually done for us, we will begin to understand that he gives us a hope that isn't just a temporary fix. It's not just a band-aid fix for the pain we feel now. Yes, we can ask and, and we should ask for relief in our lives even now. And he gives it to us. But it comes as we ultimately long and hope for Jesus and the eternity that he gives us where all things will be made right and new again. And so church, we are not without hope in this life. And like the psalmist, we can long for God, just like the deer longs for the water. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, God, we need you. We are lost without you. We forget so often where you are leading us to. This is why it leads us to despair and sorrow in the now. God, I pray that you would remind us of this story, this gospel story, this amazing story of Christ and the gospel. That yes, we have fallen. Yes, we experience sin. Yes, we sin against others. Others sin against us. But that's not the end of the story. Through it all, you restore our souls. You redeem our hurt and our pain. You remind us of where we are all going. Man, we're all just a bunch of kids playing church. Help us to know, Father, that you are here with us, comforting our souls. And I pray, God, that you would sanctify us Fill us with a hope, a joy that surpasses all understanding. And as we learn to love each other, help us to do it well. God, we need you. We need you, Father. We thank you for Christ that makes all of us new, forgives us of our sin. Remind us again, Father, of the hope that we have. Help us to long for you. In Christ's name, amen.